and Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the mystical underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor, Trish McGregor, and our tech magician, John Posey. You can go to our website, phenomena111.com, to find out about our nonfiction books, including the most recent one, Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. And you can visit our blog at blog.synchrosecrets.com, where we make regular posts. Okay, before we introduce our guest today, we want to pay tribute to a friend who has recently died. His name is Scott Colburn. He was host of the longest-running paranormal radio show, it was called Exploring Unexplained Phenomena and began in 1984. For th the entire 36 years, Scott remained with KZUM Radio in Lincoln, Nebraska. Trish and I appeared on his show several times. Uh, he was a great host and always very supportive. And we talked about getting him to come on the Mystical Underground to talk about his ghost hunting experiences and UFO investigations. Uh, we were last on his show February 15th, and his final show was a month later, March 14th. And Scott was also a longtime uh, guitar player and music teacher. He died of a heart attack on March 30th. He was 68 years old. So after reading about his death, I Googled his name, and that led me to his website. And the first thing that popped up was a picture of Scott in one of his characteristic uh, Hawaiian shirts, which he all the time and before be below the picture interestingly it said contact me of course that has a different sort of meaning now than uh it did uh before he died and uh who knows maybe we will contact him uh maybe so maybe uh finding that comment was a synchronicity of sorts we could always ask our guest today about that trish okay we have a really great guest today his name is dr bernard and he's the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to attempt to systemize the study of coincidences. He's a visiting professor at the University of Virginia and former chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Missouri, Columbia. He attended Yale Medical School and completed a psychiatric residency at Stanford. Dr. Bateman has also received two national awards for his psychotherapy training program and is internationally known for his research into the relationship between chest pain and panic disorder. I imagine there's a lot of the panic disorder now. In addition, he's edited two issues of Psychiatric Annals that focus on coincidences, and he's the founder of Coincidence Studies. Bernard is also author of Connecting with Coincidence, the new science of using synchronicity and serendipity uh, in your life. And he also writes a column on synchronicity and psychology today, which I find fascinating because it's a publication that previously has had articles that gone on to great lengths in the past to dismiss any significance of coincidences as well as any validity in paranormal phenomena. Welcome, Bernard. Yay, Bernie. <laughs> We've known each other for quite a while, this year. We certainly have. We've been, and we should say you have. Uh, 
your podcast. Uh, it's called Con Connecting with Coincidence, right? Same as your. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's 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 my trademark these days. It's also, <laughs> yeah. it's also my website, <clears throat> and it's also my Facebook page. So oh, some wow. consistencies. Yeah, right. you <laughs> leave it to a psychiatrist to do the consistency. That's good. That's um, a good one. Leave it to the Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, well, okay, uh, your book, Bernie. It, we both reread it. And it's better, well, it was great the first time through, but the second time through, it's really kind of mind-blowing. That's so cool. That's so <laughs> it cool. It really is. And um, one of the fabulous stories you've got in your book is the type of synchronicities that occur between people who love each other, parent, child, husband, wife, mothers, daughters, identical twins. But one of the best is what happened to you on your 31st birthday and the name you give to this kind of synchronicity, which I always have trouble pronouncing. Is it... Simul Pat, pronounce it for me. <laughs> oh, you got it. It's 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 simul, meaning like simultaneous. Uh -huh. Same thing. Simul and pathity is like oh, uh, empathy. Um, uh, it's almost like empathy. It's uh, let's yeah. what's another word like it? Um, I don't uh, uh, serendipity. Um, the mm. I don't have the uh, uh, simul pathity comes from pathos, meaning feeling. Okay. And, and so empathy comes from has path in it, but the right. ity makes it more into a noun, um, and so it's uh, simulpathy. And I, you'll like this again because you're like calling me a psychiatrist and, <laughs> and catching me doing it. Uh, I had fun with that word simulpathy because it's one of four coincidence words that begin with an s and then oh, end with an funny. it ity. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, tell us about, tell us about your experience. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I just wanted to say serendipity, simulpathy, uh, synchronicity, and seriality. Those are the four oh, wow. words. Oh, wow. That's a good that one. Are, yeah. That are, yeah, thanks. Those are four words that are key in looking at coincidences. So, yeah. Um, so, thanks for that. So, ask me about that. That's a, that's a story that really keeps evolving, uh, even though... I'll tell you what happened, but its meaning to me keeps evolving. So when we talk about the meaning of coincidences, we can take the current meaning, it seems to me right now, is when we get to maybe one of yours, um, and how it evolves. And some of them that are emotionally loaded, like this one was mm -hmm. and is, um, keeps evolving. But what, what happened was that, uh, that I was um, in my 31st birthday, Almost, um, I was in San Francisco, um, and it was 11 p.m. Uh, in San Francisco, and I was uncontrollably shake, choking, 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 choking. I could mm. not stop. I couldn't stop. There was something in my throat. I couldn't stop. So what was it? I didn't know, but I'd never choked like this before. I've never choked like that since. So. Mm. I, after a while, um, that uh, choking uh, stopped, and I was relieved. And the next day, uh, my brother called me and told me that at 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware, which is 3,000 miles from San Francisco, my father had been bleeding into his own throat and choking on his own blood. Wow. He died. Hmm. He died at 2 a.m., just around hmm. the time that I was choking in San Francisco, 11 p.m., and that got my attention. Um, yeah, I could yeah. see why. <laughs> Did your brother have any uh, 
anything related? Any no, my, my, my brother is not as uh, much of a space case as I am. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and I use space in the kind of expansive uh, way mm -hmm. of thinking, even though it has the other meaning to it. It's like <laughs> open to a lot of uh, possibilities. Right. It's, mm -hmm. It's like a word that has a couple of different meanings, but my my brother just uh, did not. He was there uh, or around, but no, he didn't. But your question led me to uh, the same question for me: is how often does this happen with other people? Because mm -hmm. if there's anything that uh, our listeners take away from this this show, is that if it happened to you, it most likely happened to somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a good point. We now, are, you said it's evolving. How has how this continued to evolve? Well, I continue to, um, to look at my relationship with my father. Mm -hmm. Because what, I, what happened was when my brother called me uh, the next day in Wilmington, that was my birthday. That was my 31st mm -hmm. birthday. So there's a chance, one, three, six, one out of 365, that... Two events, uh, different events right. will happen on the same day. It's not highly improbable, but it's pretty improbable. But what it meant to me, and this is this, what it meant to me was, remember me, my father said to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remember, how could you, how could I not remember this? <laughs> uh, yeah, but there was more to remember uh, than just this. There was to remember that maybe there was a much closer relationship between me and my father than I ever thought there was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was he was one of those guys that uh, was a tired visitor in the 1950s. Uh, came mm -hmm. home, <laughs> yeah. eight. He was hardly there because he was working all the time. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of a relationship with him. But what the I call this simultaneity because it's simultaneous around the same yeah. time. And pathity because it's a feeling. So around the same time that my father was in really extremist, feeling really awful, dying, a lot of pain and anxiety, um, I was feeling something like what he was feeling. And that I found out many people sometimes experience. Mm -hmm. So that experience for you was uh, like a trigger. Uh, it made you more aware uh, for a lot also of also launched to search right and launched yeah. to search yeah for many of us when we have these synchronicities we always think of it this is telling us that we're on the right path but there's also situations where there they come up as warnings to be careful you're you may not be on the right path and my question is how do you differentiate the two um, the idea that synchronicities are for confirmation, which you start off saying, uh, yeah. I, I think is one use of synchronicities, yeah. but it's, it's, and it's probably the most common, but it isn't hmm. the, but it isn't the only one because mm -hmm. one of the, one of the things they do is help relationships get stronger. Uh, they sometimes are in romance, starting people together. Uh, and lots and jobs and health uh, needs. So let's take romance for a, an example. Um, sometimes you get these really amazing coincidences happening with two people who just met. You know, mm -hmm. some enchanted evening. You <laughs> see a stranger. You're I a mean, singer too. <laughs> I try. 
across a crowded room and across a crowded room across an airport um across uh any kind of gathering place uh, something can happen between two people it happens on dating sites sometimes you just know it yeah and that's how it happened with trish and i when we met yeah, yeah. i went home <clears throat> after five minutes i went home after five minutes, within five minutes of meeting Rob, I knew we were going to get married. So I went home to my roommate. I said, well, I met the guy I'm going to marry. She goes, where? <laughs> <laughs> and for me, you know, uh, it never occurred uh, to me that that would be the, the case. But uh, the thing is, uh, when we, t uh, I was a, I was a newspaper re reporter and I was uh, interviewing Trish for an article. She was teaching at uh, uh, English as a second language to Cuban refugees at um, Florida International University. Oh, really? And, cool. uh, yeah. 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 And uh, so we got talking afterwards uh, a bit, and uh, it turned out that I don't know how the subject came up, but uh, she asked me about synchronicity if I had ever heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Yeah, I knew something about it, but not. That was my test question. <laughs> right. And, and we also had both had an interest in. Uh, a series of channeled books by Jane Roberts, the Seth books that we both read and we had no friends that were, not only did they not read the books, but they were not interested in that subject. And uh, so we we're kind of isolated with this interest. And then we suddenly met another person who had that <laughs> same background, same interest. So that that's the synchronicity I, I found in that. Story. Oh, it is. It is a, a, that finding somebody who thinks about the similar things that you do differently right. so you can learn from each other and help each other with it. It's such a gift. It is such a gift. Uh, it's, it's That's how we ended up doing these podcasts, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I have another question for you. All right. Well, this uh, is hold, some, hold on, hold oh. on to that, because uh, Rob asked me how you can tell when it. Oh when right, it's not, yeah. When not good. I think that's that's a good question, and it's an important one because sometimes the good and the bad is in the eyes of the beholder. Uh, and mm -hmm. and I, I've had coincidences with people that uh, were romantic and tense. They ended. That didn't mean the relationship was going to be forever. Right. And I, the most popular post I have on Psychology Today, gotten like 130,000 hits, Jeez. is what about romance? Uh, does it mean that it's going to be forever, this synchronicity? That's the, yeah. that's mm. the general idea of it. Because people want an answer to the question Rob is asking, particularly around romance. And yeah. there's no particular answer because um, sometimes it is forever, but you're miserable together. <laughs> and sometimes it's a short period of time but you had a wonderful time together it really was mm -hmm. a great connection and maybe you'll be friends and maybe you'll never see each other again so the a lot of it is how you look back at it was it mm -hmm. a problem or not and I, sometimes you just go with it and see what happens it's what you do with it when things happen that makes such a big difference oh that's a great point mm -hmm. hmm. I, I in, in this article that you uh, recently wrote for Psychology Today, I, I found that just stunning. You write, oh, thank, COVID thank you. I, thank I, I, it was really a great article. Uh, you write, COVID-19 reflects the worst in our human psyche. Insidious and destructive, it promotes only its own survival and propagation. Its damaging effects on human society and human bodies are irrelevant to its purpose. 
These characteristics parallel the human effects on the natural world. Both the virus and humans are like parasites destroying their host. Okay, what's the message of COVID-19 in terms of synchronicity? <laughs> I know that's a loaded question. Well, that, that is and a synchronicity. Have an that, answer. That, that is a synchronicity. That's why I wrote it. Uh -huh. um, it's a, a synchronicity is often uh, a, a kind of similarity or even a match between the psyche of a person mm -hmm. and the external environment, the surroundings. <clears throat> So there's something between the mind, there's something in the environment that matches, and you go, "Hey!" And it's surprising because you didn't expect it; it's right. it wasn't there. And you were just just like you coming up with this podcast. I mean, you you didn't mm -hmm. think of it; uh, it happened because you had it in mind, and he had it in mind, and pop, right. there it was. So what I'm trying to to say there is that. We are not, and people say this all the time, but I want to be more specific. We are not by ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all connected. And what we need to, let me say, teach people, teach people is how we are connected, hmm. how we are connected. It's not just, oh, we're all connected. That's right. That's the start. Uh -huh. But we are connected. And what, what I'm trying to say there is that each human being is like a cell in a greater body called humanity or humankind. Mm -hmm. And we each have a, a role to play in this body. And when we have people attacking each other, it's like an autoimmune disease of the mm -hmm. body. And mm -hmm. if we think of, the, of humanity as having a body, a one body, which ancient peoples have and, and indigenous people maybe still do, is then we look at the human, this human thing, this human creature, I call it, this human creature that we're all part of, has a mind. And it's a mind made up of all our minds and more. And this mind is sometimes called collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. Collective consciousness may account for simultaneous discoveries. So discoveries are done right. around the same time with each other because the information is all out there, mm -hmm. usually. But then there's the collective unconscious, which, of course, you're very familiar with, right. that Jung brought into our awareness and that we all may tap into this uh, collective thing that uh, is part of the human mind as well, just like part of the individual mind is part of the mm -hmm. human creature. So I'm going, I'm just a regular, I love to you call me a psychiatrist. So I'm just, a, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a regular psychiatrist who does psychotherapy. So I, and I go like, well, okay, so there's a consciousness and there's an unconscious and there's a subconscious that is where human GPS takes place. If we want to mm -hmm. talk about telepathy and other things, yeah. but there's also the ability of each of us to step back and observe the contents of our own minds step back and observe the contents of our own minds. And I call this observer the self-observer. Hmm. The self-observer observes our own minds, if we want to. Some people don't activate their self-observers. Mm -hmm. I know people, uh, people who don't want to. It's, they're afraid <laughs> of what they'll see. But you, you look at your own minds. You have to be. That's what you're doing. Synchronicity mm -hmm. requires you to look at your own mind and look outside of your mind to see what matches there are because there are going to be matches. Wow, that's a great way so, to look at it. So uh, you're, you're, 
your book title is coincidence. What's a what's a different? What do you see as a difference between coincidence and synchronicity? Well, let me finish the what what yeah, uh, okay yeah. the, the, the other interrupt. question because <laughs> that, that gets us down to a, a definitional thing which. Uh, it's important, but this, what Trish asked me was that, what does this, what does this synchronicity mm -hmm. have to do with um, humankind? Right. And I'm saying that humankind needs to activate its observing self to notice what I'm describing, which a lot of people are describing in their own ways, but this is a different way of doing it, mm -hmm. which is there's a match between what we're doing and, and what the virus is doing. Mm -hmm. And that match means that we better be thinking of something a little different, which is that we are destroying our habitat. And the way the virus is destroying our people's bodies. Mm. Wow. So we, we need to cure our own bodies, the human body, the human creature. And in doing that, we have to do a bunch of things, which includes, like most creatures that survive, they adapt to their environment. They don't destroy it. Hmm. So what can we do, including questions like how can we organically keep the number of people on, the, on this planet at a, a dose right. that we can manage on this planet? It's, mm -hmm. How can we do it without laws? How can we do it so it happens because the environment is right for people to not do that? Hmm. So that, that's the message of that uh, massive synchronicity between the virus and, our, and us. Okay, I'm sending you to Washington, D.C. <laughs> to be the shrink to all of the politicians. <laughs> they need you. <laughs> you think they'll listen? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I don't know. Can, can, I, can I jump in real quick with the... Sure. So, yeah, the so, you know, speaking of the collective conscience, uh, what, what do you think the difference is as far as how the collective conscience has responded to the COVID-19 crisis compared to, say, the 9-11 crisis, which, interesting, I think an interesting parallel is Ground Zero still seems to be New York City. But yeah. We've had, we've had I, think, I feel like, completely different reactions to it, but. Yeah, uh, you, you, you didn't. You said collective conscience. Yeah, I noticed and I, that. And I think that's an important distinction. I didn't mention that. I talked about collective consciousness as okay. awareness, gotcha. and collective unconscious—that stuff that's under the underneath our awareness that perhaps is accessible. But you're talking about in a very, very other important part of the mind, which is morality. Right. which is ethics. And there's a difference between the two. More, morality is more what I do, and I think I should do, and ethics is what uh, other people think I should do. And <laughs> it, it, but you can absorb that because you, you agree with them. Uh, that, that, eth that, that we need to answer questions like, are we here to conquer other people? Are we here to master other people and take from them everything that we can get or much of what we can get, as much as we can get? Or are we here to have fun, to have joy, to experience beauty and love? What is, what is our purpose here in life? Uh, what is the purpose of the human creature on this earth? 
And the difference here is that we can decide it. We can decide to be moral and ethical and look out for just, hey, let's dance, baby. I want to go dance. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this uh, virus. I, they cut off the dance thing, man. I want to go dance. I mean, we go dance, go out in the forest, play around, do all kinds of things and find love, truth and beauty in all its different forms. That or beat up on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this seems, you know, when you put it in these terms, this seems like a big, <laughs> a pretty big problem. <laughs> I mean, at least in terms of, you know, if, if people don't wake up during this, this pandemic, or is, it, is there going to be another one that's even worse? I mean, here, you know, 9-11, it was like the virus was external. This is an internal thing that became external. At least that's how I see it. Right. Well, and it, it's right. not as right. tangible as aircraft right. flying into buildings, right? So. Yeah, there's no... Who's the enemy? Yeah, who's know? the bad... Who could we yeah, kill? Yeah, who's the bad guy? Yeah, who's the bad guy? I mean, who are we going to go to war with? Right, yeah. And you can't block them at the border either. No. Well, and and interestingly, you, you, you keep... That's what we keep hearing is that we're fighting an unseen enemy. Even even with the virus, that's what we keep hearing. That's, that's, that's the drumbeat is that... We're, you know, it's always. Well, we're the enemy, if well, based on what Bernard's saying. Well, yeah, no, 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 well, that's, but yeah, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the war on drugs. The, you know, we, it's a war on oh, everything. Yeah. You know, so, so this is a war against. We're, we're fighting this virus, which, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that the analogy quite works, but anyways. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people have. <laughs> more time than uh, they've ever had to yeah, be at home yeah. and yeah. explore yeah. the uh, internet. And so uh, they're getting consumed by conspiracy theories uh, about the virus and vaccines. And um, so uh, from a psychiatrist's perspective, uh, what's your perspective on conspiracy theories? Conspiracy theories have, uh, at, at starting, uh, the same phenomenon, uh, same elements as uh, coincidences and synchronicity. It's mm-hmm. two. It's, it's they're both. It's the same kind of thinking uh, to start with. Mm-hmm. Each of each of them is about a correlation in time between two events. It happened. This happened, and then that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the favorite one these days is the virology lab uh, outside of Wuhan in China. Right. Yeah. Where, where, you, you know that story then. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah we Have talking. you talked about it on your show too? Um, I don't a little think bit so. la- I mean, Maybe last week yeah. we touched on it. but. Well, do you want me to describe it? Yes, or do you want, yes. you want to describe you, it? You do it. Well, you're, the, you're the psychiatrist. Well, I'm, I'm signing up for about, classes with Bernie. So it's about the lab, uh, whether the virus was created there, uh, whether or escaped, it was intentionally uh, was removed and spread, or, or whether it was created there and came out uh, accidentally into the uh, wet market. So those are yeah, that's it. Different and, and the coincidence is that there was a stage four or virology lab. 20 miles from Wuhan mm-hmm. and two viral epidemics started in Wuhan. 
and there are <clears throat> wet markets in other places in China and well as well as in Vietnam. So the correlation in space is the virology lab near Wuhan times two. Hmm. Two hmm. epidemics. So that's the reasoning. You 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 come hmm. up with you you come up with uh, something that looks like a coincidence. And and you say, well, what's the cause of this? Hmm. And then you start going into uh, conspiracy theories, but the conspiracy theories also resemble some ways of thinking about coincidences, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain that. Um, the conspiracy theorists like to take the correlation in space, in this case, and then attribute their favorite cause to it, hmm. which is some evil empire is doing uh -huh. it. And that's China. So China's evil, and they did it. That's uh, that's because they want to think that China is the evil empire doing bad things, which there's some truth to. Uh, there's some definite truth to that. Uh, that's because without further evidence, the conspiracy theorists jump to their favorite conclusion. Right. And, um, I'm trying to say it may be right. It, that also happens with, coincid with coincidences mm -hmm. uh, in that for some people, coincidence, there are no coincidences. Mm -hmm. And a coincidence requires uh, no explanation is clear because you do the definition of coincidence. And it has to do with two incidents coming together in time with in a surprising way with no apparent cause, no apparent mm. cause. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have a cause for the coincidence, there's no coincidence. So mm. that's why people who say God causes coincidences right. or the universe causes mm -hmm. coincidences. And on the other hand, those who say that random chance causes coincidence, both each of them have an explanation that they bring almost immediately to almost every coincidence. Hmm. So that's like a conspiracy theory in itself. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's you a kind of that's it. right. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I didn't think of saying that, but yeah, it's, <laughs> the similarity is too too good. That's right. I thought that's, you were going that's to. Good. That's, thought, good. that's good. That's good. <laughs> I like that one. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to when I asked about uh, you know uh, what. You think about the people who believe in conspiracy theories. I thought you were going to look at the psychology of it and that it empowers people when they think they have some inside information knowledge that the rest of us don't have and they can tell you about it. That's, I like Bernie's explanation better. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're not incompatible at all. Um, no, they're not. There, there is the... the what I'm doing is a pure psychological thing that is staying with the kind of thinking that people are doing yeah. uh, with these. And the reason I can be so clear about it, I couldn't have done it like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, um, <laughs> is because I'm writing, <laughs> I'm writing another book and, oh, and I've read. got, and I've got a, I'm working on a section that has to do with um, coincidences as exercises for the mind. Mm. Okay, when's okay. this book going to be out? <laughs> I, 
this part is so hard to write because it's kind of like I'm condensing a lot of psychological ideas in a very short space. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I want to make sure it's, it's almost like poetry and it's cl- uh-huh. not poetry. I want to make it poetically clear. Right. Yeah. Not multiple meanings, but just what I'm trying to say, what it is, as best I can. So that takes a lot of work to do that. But what's the title of this book? Right now it's Knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G, Coincidences. Hmm. Okay, when's it available? (laughs) I can't wait to read it. Well, thank you. I really really appreciate your fandom. I really do. (laughs) I mean, that you could read it a second time, the first book, and then get get so much out of it. That's really cool. You know, there's sometimes when you read a book, though, that things you that don't register, you know, and then you go back and you think, wow, how did I miss this? Right. You know, I want to bring up another uh, psychiatrist, a British one, Dr. Spiegel Halter, who compiled a list of uh, nearly 5000 coincidences and had an analysis of them done and found that most of them deal with family and friends, travel, numbers and dates and big personal events, marriage, divorce, hospitals. Um, My question is, do you think it's worthwhile attempting to quantify and classify coincidence in such a way? And what about figuring the odds of a coincidence occurring? Does does that really convince skeptics? No. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Is it worthwhile, as I thought you'd say, because skeptics are by their very nature uh, resistant to thinking about new ideas unless mm-hmm. they're truly skeptics, which means that they're careful about accepting new ideas. That's really what a skeptic is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just not taking everything at face value, but trying to evaluate it. What you mean by skeptic are people who are rigidly caught up in what they believe and are not open right. to yeah, any sometimes change. Sometimes called debunkers. <laughs> Because that's their job. I mean, it's kind of like the conspiracy theory guys you were talking about. It gives them a social position, something right, to do, right. yeah. feel good about themselves. And the debunkers are—that's what they do. Yeah, well, they know, debunk. That Michael Shermer—he's—he's he's been very adamant, you know, a skeptic. But he actually, when he when he experienced a synchronicity, he actually came out and wrote about it in Scientific American. Yeah, and, and I give him credit for that. And that was related to his marriage. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, by a year or two later, he was back to uh, <laughs> dismissing it. <laughs> right. Because ha- that was his job, is to dismiss yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What he did is the usual thing is like, uh, like saying, uh, if you really hurt somebody's feelings somehow and you really did it and you say, and you say to them, well... I'm sorry about how that made you feel. <laughs> it's not about the yeah. thing itself. So what Schirmer does is say, well, we had a really good feeling with that, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Hmm. Just leave it at that. And it's it's nice that it at least broke through with him because yeah, that's, that's the kind of coincidence that often alerts people to the idea that there's more going on. But yeah. he, that's his job, uh, as you're saying, right. Rob. He, yeah. It's yeah. his job, being a debunker. But uh, when it came to a personal experience, he had a more difficult time dealing with it. Uh, I mean, he had to uh, really think about it as uh, as, as something uh, par- virtually paranormal that he doesn't believe in, and he had to accept it, uh, at least for a while, which is interesting. Well, it shows growth. Yeah. 
but it shows the potential for growth and then yeah, the actually, potential for yeah his if you think of a, a belief is surrounded by a boundary uh, i think of it in various ways like uh like a stone inside of a brick is one way to think about it mm-hmm. uh, and that brick can be very thin too, or it can be open and flexible if you turn it into something else. But the Michael Shermer kind of, um, of belief is almost like the brick, but the brick somehow melted <laughs> for a little while. And yeah. the, the, the belief that was so tightly held got loose out in the real world. Hey, look what's out here. Something yeah. is going on here. And, uh, Eventually, because of economic and social position needs, he put it back in the brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what he, uh, the like incident that. itself was related to marriage, which uh, is one of the big personal events, a marriage, divorce, uh, death, uh, people who are ill in hospitals. Uh, but another one that uh, has happened to Trish and I is uh, through travel, when you just get out of of the regular pattern of your life and you're open to other things that happening to you that don't normally happen. Uh, I mean, tr- one of the most astonishing synchronicities that Trish and I, I had was when we were leaving Venezuela at the airport at a, at a point where the Colombian cartel was using Venezuela as a way of getting cocaine from uh, from Colombia to Miami. And so there was a, a big presence of the military in the airport. And we were trying to get out of there and get on, onto our airplane. We had to open our luggage and go through it to like the, the for the second or third time. And uh, we were at this long table and there was a man right in front of us who uh, was tall, apparently Venezuelan Latino man uh, was wearing, wearing, a, a wearing a three-piece suit and he only had one piece of luggage which was a briefcase and so he puts it down and there's these young men 17 18 years old with machine guns on the other yeah, side of the table <laughs> it's very very intense and they say open it up now this guy <laughs> looked like uh, you know somebody who was trying to sneak something through he opens it up there's only one item inside that briefcase, and it's a book called Fevered, which was very much like the atmosphere there, and it was written by Trish, who was standing behind him. It was written under a pseudonym, so it, is, it wasn't even like I could tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, that's my book. You know? yeah. Wow. wow. Allison, wow. it's one of her names. So. Wow. How do that, you explain that? Yeah, that, that was... Um. Where's that fit, Bernie? <laughs> well, I, whenever when anybody asks me to explain anything these days, I've gotten smart about that <clears throat> because it's not my coincidence. Right. <clears throat> it's yours. Yeah. And and, and and it's like dreams. Um, well, I had this dream about no. Uh, <laughs> some psych- psychiatrists have learned, or therapists have learned, say, what is the most important element of that dream that you're telling me? And please <laughs> just let your mind go around that. Because we don't have, I don't have an answer to that to start with. I have a, 
question. I have an answer to one of Rob's earlier questions about categorizing and figuring mm -hmm. out probabilities. Uh, that's what this new book is doing. I'm categorizing oh, coincidences. Yeah. And, and I go through a long thing about probabilities where the statisticians have missed the vote on on probabilities and coincidences, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. I can I can talk like that. I can list five or six or ten different uh, explanations, which my new book has in, in it. I have a series of explanations. No, not one size fits all right. in this. Uh, mm -hmm. So I have to hear Trish, but I can objectively talk about it. But I, I, I would help me if I understood. Trish and yours, Rob, reaction because you were there too. It was part of coincidence for you too. It was just shock. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we didn't say anything. We never saw that man again. He must have got on the same airplane uh, because we were in the same line, and uh, he was uh, never, uh, <laughs> never visible to it. It was probably a crowded airplane. He was probably there, but uh, it was just, you know, it was just very, weird. <laughs> very, very surprising, and uh, you know, just. Uh, synchronicity for us because of the title and, and also that uh, Trish wrote the book and so and the oddity of it that that's the only thing he had in his luggage <laughs> was that book. I had what a did fan. That, what did that mean? I mean, uh, it's like something from a you know stepping out of another <laughs> universe. Twilight Zone. <laughs> really, I mean, it, it is. I mean, Freud saw. Uh, cabin boy reading his book interpretation of dreams that he wrote in 1908 as Freud was going to the United States, but this is much better. <laughs> this is much better. The, the time when I talk about statisticians and the problem they have with coincidences is, uh, they, they multiply the base rates of the two incidents and the, mm -hmm. the base rate of you two going through the airport then was pretty high. I mean, you were going to go to the airport right. and it was in Venezuela. So that, that was a highly probable event. And the same with this guy, as far as we know, he was going to go to the airport. Um, <laughs> the difference is that you both went on the same day. And what's even more stunning is that he was right in front of you. Yeah. That, it's that bit of time interval and bit of space interval that makes you think we live in space time sometimes where they're mm -hmm. one thing. And that's where the stunning mystical kind of feeling comes from that right. the timing of so many of them like that. Yeah. And so you'd have to go, go, go ahead. Sorry. Finish burning. <laughs> oh no, I was going to ask Trish, I asked both of you something, so, but go ahead, go ahead okay. Rob. I, I know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Well, so what I was going to say is that we, we would assume that he must have had some other luggage that was checked through and he was just, this was just his carry on. But the fact is that was where all the luggage was going uh, <laughs> because we had all of our luggage with us. And why didn't he have all of his luggage with him? So that, that that's just another oddity. Uh, of oh, that is that. Yeah. I thought <laughs> I didn't even ask, but yeah. I, I thought he. I thought he was. He had it. Uh, he had it checked. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, there was no. That was it. We had. We were carrying all of our luggage. So, you know, why would somebody travel to from uh, Caracas, Venezuela, to Miami with only Trisha's book <laughs> and a three-piece suit? <laughs> that is. That is. Uh, that is something. Maybe. Maybe if you opened the book, you'd find there was an empty. Uh, space in it. That, that's what I had thought about that. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's what you would write about. That's sort of thing yeah, you would write yeah, about. Right. A hollowed out book. That's good. That, well, I have a, I have a that, question. That would, be the that would be the that, conspiracy theory about what happened there, but go ahead. Sorry. 
that would be the possibly the case coming out of Venezuela too. At that time, but it would have to be really expensive uh, and small. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know what that would be. Uh, cocaine, you, you have to take more of it. So when my question for the two of you is, uh, is about creating coincidences. Um, that was my next question. <laughs> uh, um, that, that we play a part in creating coincidences that each of us does. And that's what random chance and God universe tend to take away from mm -hmm. us, the human responsibility. Right. So here, yeah, you wrote the book and you were in line. I mean, those are things you didn't do consciously. Right. Well, one of those, one of the things that you didn't do that you could have done consciously to, to fully understand this coincidence was to go find him and ask him. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. My, you're, you're right. So my question for you is this, this is a half, uh, a half of a coincidence understanding mm -hmm. because you, you want to know the meaning of it. This guy is a puzzle in his three piece suit yeah. and the one book. And even if just having one book is weird enough <laughs> right. and then have it, the person behind him, that's saying something to you that is like a manhole cover to look, pick up and mm -hmm. look to see what's underneath it. Uh, and I'm and asking, I don't know why I didn't look for him. Yeah, well, you know, it I was mean, just you know the chaos of the situation, and also the fact that the guy was about six foot five or six foot six, <laughs> which uh, Latino people tend to be about average. I would say about half a foot shorter than that. <laughs> what did that have to do with? Well, just it was unusual. He was so tall. Oh, oh, you know. Okay. I mean, that's just another oddity. Yeah, but what he's saying is, why didn't we? Especially me, I should have gone looking for the guy and say, hey, what? Well, how do you have this book? You know. Well, who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we um, never saw him again, you know. That, but we should have sought him. Well, we yeah, should have looked for right. him. Yeah, but true. But you weren't exactly in your comfort zone to... Well... And, yeah. and the guy sounds pretty imposing, right? <laughs> and, and who knows what was in that hollowed-out section of the book, right? <laughs> and I can't, remember, I can't remember a thing of what happened after that moment. I can't either. Yeah. <laughs> on that, on I don't remember getting on the airplane. Yeah. Neither can I. Maybe we were abducted. <laughs> you you got you got hit with another worldly thing right then, yeah. uh, which which I'd like to be able to talk about because um, that is a really low probability coincidence based on the timing. Right. Uh, the timing is so narrow. Uh, the timing and spacing is so narrow. It's not just mm -hmm. the timing. It's that that you ended up right behind the guy that had in his briefcase yeah. a book that you wrote, um, in a in a highly frenzied circumstance where the title of the book mirrored the environment. Right. That is like um, a major coincidence, Trish. <laughs> uh, that is like yeah, so when I, it's probably the best I've ever had, and I didn't pursue it. I'm going to keep yeah. myself about this. Yeah. Well, uh, that's part of the, that's all part of it, that you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we can, I, I can make some guesses about why, but uh, before we do that, I am now going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and try to make uh, a little bit of sense out of this from okay. a, pers a perspective that you probably don't have about this. Now, there's mm -hmm. other ways to look at it, but I've, I, I, I got, I go through my life 
these days with expecting there's going to be like meaning in my environment from who knows where. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just looking at some trees the other day, and the and the, the shape of some of their forms probably look like hieroglyphics, but I can't really translate it. I that everything has meaning uh, potentially, but some of it's harder to figure out mm-hmm. for, for our brains. But some things aren't. Some things are like signals about the way the code works. The like mm-hmm. we're in a matrix. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a matrix and like I'm I think of sometimes that we are in um, a, a uh, made up world, a computer world, a, a mm-hmm. simulation, a simulation yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that the game is to figure out that we're in the simulation and there are clues and hints about it that have to do with uh, your own personal life like mm-hmm. relationship, relationships and stuff. But there are some that say, hey, buddy, this is a bigger deal. This one, <laughs> this one is telling us, is a clue, and that's what I look for, is clues, uh-huh. is a clue for how to figure out how things work and how the, what the code for this, uh, this simulation is, what the code is going on around us so that we can maybe get some better idea how it works. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about what we need to do with the pandemic, it's not just changing the economics and the environmental no. things. It's, it's raising our consciousness to be aware that we are not the only creature here, not just the way down to the viruses that are just an RNA thing, but running around for years, millions of years, and not just the other creatures, which we're destroying a lot of. Mm-hmm. But there's somebody else around here or some other consciousness around here mm-hmm. that used to be called God and still will be because it's a shorthand way of understanding the understandable, the understandable. Mm-hmm. but we're at a place now where we can investigate what's going on. And investigating is what you had a clue there, Trish, to be able to find out what is the meaning of this tall Latino guy doing this crazy thing with his briefcase in my book. (laughs) I missed a big opportunity. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm going to be perplexed about this for the rest of my life, Bernard. I mean, I already was, but not. But from what you're saying, this is a, a major clue. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. then we, so then we'll, all we have now, we're just being detectives here, and we right. we have to do this together, including with your techno magician on this one. <laughs> <coughs> that we take what we've got, mm-hmm. we take what we've got, and maybe, you know, you didn't have to follow up with this guy because you didn't. But I think the part of the reason you didn't is you were so blown out by it, and. <laughs> so and frightened by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was I, an, I was shocked. Well, yeah, this this we, we could have tapped him on the shoulder right there, you know, except there was these people with machine guns on the other <laughs> side, you know. Uh, so that it was it was the environment that was uh Well, it was also no, not just the environment. I should have done I should have Yeah. I should have said something. I missed yeah. my, my guy. <laughs> I missed my don't don't, don't do re- don't do <laughs> regret here. Don't do yeah, that. no, okay. <laughs> and, and the story don't, may even be more interesting because there's a cliffhanger. We don't know why. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> well, I think the story in itself can be like an artifact that mm-hmm. we take apart and examine mm. because cause it's like getting an asteroid from someplace. Right. And, and here it is. And we can't do regret. I can 
I, I can make you think about it and make you feel guilty, <laughs> which is what you did, and I was successful. Yeah. But I really wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to look at the reasons you didn't. You would have right. go, have to go against a lot of fear to do it and a lot of mm. amazement to do it. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, and, well, okay. Well, so let's let's. I'm going to say this: the saddest words of tongue or pen, which those which are those which say it might have been. <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, yeah, you mentioned briefly about creating synchronicities. Now, that, that's an interesting topic, and there uh, is it. You know, is it even possible to create synchronicities? Isn't that uh, moving into the world of cause and effect when you, if you're trying to create one? But one of the things that we do, which I think is an attempt to, at that, is sometimes we pose a question and then look in our environment for for an answer. Go, going outside, the first thing you see or the the, uh, the radio is on the first thing you hear and try to interpret uh, what uh, what comes to you as as a possible way of answering that. And I, I guess that would be a, a type of creating a synchronicity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to ask you a question because uh, I was trying to engage both of you into, and, and your magician in talking about this <laughs> gem that you got that was delivered to you in a Venezuelan airport. Uh-huh. This gem that I think is an artifact that could represent uh, a communication or ideas from maybe this uh, simulation that we might be in. So okay. I was rather than trying to be an expert with you and you're experts, too. I mean, you guys do synchronicities, write about it a lot. You've got uh, this idea that I think is just great about making about having an intention in mind and that you go outside and you see what mm -hmm. you need to find out. I and mean, the same as doing tarot cards. It's like mm -hmm. it's like sure. it's like the information is around you and you have to be careful about how to interpret it. There's no question mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to engage you with and you can tell me, no, you don't want to. <laughs> um, it's just go through what this gem meant so that we're both, I don't know if you've heard of Indiana Jones, but he's like a, <laughs> an adventure guy who follows a lot of clues to see if you can get to the treasure. I, right. I, I, I don't know, but it was a kind of popular movie thing for a while. <laughs> this is a, this is like that. And who better mm. try to engage this, but the guys who wrote the uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> okay, we're going back to Venezuela. <laughs> Someday. Well, it, is, it is archaeology, right? I mean, you're trying yeah. to... Well, it is, in a sense, yeah. yeah. Mining, mining the past, yeah. Well, you're also mining the matrix. Mining the yeah. unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, that's right. Wow, Bernie, and, thank you. I never looked at it that way. That's... Well, and, and, and <laughs> doesn't... It, and so most of us won't... Most of us won't order... And truth, you know, that's what we're pursuing. And isn't that part of what we're, so that's why we look so hard at these things. At, a lot of us do, at least, I think. I agree with that. Yeah. Hmm. John, do you have another question? He's got four of them. <laughs> well, I think, I think a couple of them probably could be summed up in one. But, uh, and, and this is going to go away from the synchronicity uh, topic and more just just how society and back to the uh, the collective consciousness uh, so something that I've noticed over the last 
10 years or so, I, I just, I rem and, and this, and this references your article in Psychology Today, where you were talking about the origins of humanity and the uh, history as hunter-gatherer tribes of about 25. And, and growing up in the 80s, I can remember seeing stories about a different kind of epidemic at the time where we were taking our seniors and really starting to, the nursing home business was taken off. We were taking our seniors and dumping them in nursing homes and where we used to have, that was part of the tribe and the tribe stayed together. We were, we were moving that wisdom, separating ourselves from that wisdom. And over the last 10 years or so, what I feel like has been happening, especially with the way we communicate, social networks and me text messaging and everything, that we've, mig we've migrated to these big monolithic tribes where we're, we, we're it's an echo chamber where we're kind of defining these tribes by political ideas and stuff. So, I mean, if, if we continue down this path, I mean, do we just start, do we lose the wisdom because we're not communicating? Uh, you know, is there a problem there? You know, where, where does that leave us in a couple of generations if we, if we quit, if, if, we, if we continue this migration to these big, huge tribes that really don't share new ideas? It's it's they 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 all agree with each other basically. That's the echo chamber idea, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that that's 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 right. And I I, I know that's a, that's a paragraph more than a question, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a well stated opinions. Uh, the the boundaries are so important in talking about coincidences and future, the future of consciousness. We need to understand that we have to have boundaries that are both thick and thin, ones that are variable, so that we can have a tribe of people that are something like us, mm -hmm. uh, and however we define that. And for me, it's getting more and more of the people who think in the same kinds of way as I do, which is a uh -huh. way a lot of tribes are forming, not the only ones, but that's that you think like me. Uh, that's that's an important. Uh, thing to draw people together. What you're talking about, though, happens sometimes, is a wall gets built around that that tribe, so that new ideas have increasingly more difficulty coming in. Hmm. And what we need to do, and which is really hard for the human mind to do, is to be, have a variable boundary between ideas around us and our own closely held ideas. We need to have some flexibility. I think of it as a, like a, a, a little portal that has uh, some vibrational capacity in it that helps mm -hmm. screen out stuff and helps stuff get in. Universities are very much like this, but they're a little too slow in getting new ideas mm -hmm. in. Their ideas is to pick up new ideas, but they're getting slower and slower about doing it. And what you're talking about is the older people and that we're losing that wisdom. I'm finding so much wisdom in younger people mm -hmm. so much i that's why one of the reasons i like going to dance is that i was talking to people who were really trying to figure it out they were mm. they're looking they had a longer term problem with the planet than i do uh, mm -hmm. and yeah. they got to worry about kids and their future so many of them are trying to figure it out uh, and I listen to them and they go to ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru and they come up with stuff. 
some great ideas. One of them just gave me one for my. I had a big hmm. trouble. I had big trouble with it. Uh, older people can't because uh, their, uh. their ideas tend to get wisdom, but they're limited in their uh, in their any new ideas. So wisdom is there, and we're losing some of it, as you're saying. But wisdom is growing in the younger population. We got to pay attention mm-hmm. to some of them, like Greta Thunberg. Boy, yeah, yeah she's a dynamo. And she's smart. Yeah, she is. She speaks so well. There's many more like that. Mm -hmm. I think millennials. Sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to. I think a lot of this is millennials, too, because they are going to be the biggest group if they're not already. The biggest, at least, tribe by birth times. Well, as as the people born in... uh, As the boomers start going off. Right. Right. It's happening. The boomers starting to go. Sure. Yeah, and 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 it. What, all I was going to say is, I think it is. I think it is just about uh, being willing to listen, regardless of, you know, whether it's old, young, or in between. Mm-hmm. And because we all have different experiences, for sure, you know. It, but but the tribal thing, I think, and especially thinking about the traditional tribes where it was more, you know, local information, more, more relevant to, you know, your surroundings as opposed to now where it's more ideas. And definitely young people, I think, always are pretty idealistic. And it's sometimes it does take a young person to, you know, get an older person's attention that, oh, never thought about it that way. <laughs> well, I think we should all go to Peru and take Iowa. <laughs> you, ha- you haven't done that yet? No, we, we've been to Peru, and the guy who was our guide on this, it was an old rubber-hauling vessel. The guy, the guy who was our guide said, well, I can take you to get some ayahuasca. He says, but you're probably going to get really sick. And, and we're, <laughs> Before. we're also sort of the monitors yeah. of this group that we were leading. And, you know, if the, the, uh, if the leaders end up getting really stoned, who knows what's <laughs> going to happen to everybody else. <laughs> so... Uh, I want to take a contrary uh, position from what uh, John was talking about, uh, because when I see uh, the two different sides coming together, like when you watch cable news, when they have both sides and they start arguing, it just is chaos. And I don't think anything gets moved forward, actually. And it's uh, it's better, I think, to have maybe explore some of these ideas with people who agree with each other. And I'm, what I'm thinking then of, and yeah, what I'm thinking of, Bernie, is that at the University of uh, Virginia, you're apparently involved with a group, a visionary group that... Uh, Jim Tucker, Ian yeah, Stevenson. And, and so you're very, it's a very focused group of people who agree, have an agreement. Now, are you able to move ahead with uh, new ideas as a result of, uh, you don't have people coming some debunkers walking in and telling you that uh, everything you're saying is BS. Can you address um, that? <laughs> there's a, not, not while I've been there. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, there are plenty of people who don't go along with uh, near death experiences and reincarnation mm-hmm. and other parapsychological things like telepathy and psychokinesis. Right. Um, but the, uh, the trouble um, there is not so much criticism. The university somehow still tolerates it, uh, <laughs> which has been quite an accomplishment that uh, Ian Stevenson got going. It's the only mm-hmm. the only parapsychological thing in a major university in the United States. Right? Jeez. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's, it's been around for a while. So it was, we owe a big debt to Ian Stevenson for what he's done in doing that. And by the way, he 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 has good data on simultaneity of connections oh, between people. Yeah, he's got a book called Telepathic Impressions. That um, oh, I saw yeah. that book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One subset is, is the feeling of the pain of the loved one at a distance. But anyway, mm -hmm. the, back to your question, Rob. The, 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 there's a lot of potential growth in uh, that group, but mm -hmm. we're not getting enough young people involved. Part of it is money. Uh, mm -hmm. Part of it is uh, people are in debt. And uh, it's, it's, there's, a not, there's a really great... Uh, person who's good with statistics among and research a psychology person that's really helped it a lot uh mm -hmm. but it, it it's gotten somewhat static uh and especially in this mm. environment and we just ask how come uh the funding institutions just don't look at the data for survival after death mm -hmm. yeah want to, yeah want to, want to look at can we ask the question in a little more structured way? So that's where that's what DOPS is trying to have happen is to get the scientific community to accept that uh, there may be things that are happening in consciousness right. that uh, people don't believe in. There's all kinds of data for it. But the mm. rigidity of the standard scientific way of thinking, mainstream science, mm -hmm. is what we're talking about here, Rob. There's yeah. a lot of advances within mainstream science's belief system, but this comes from outside. Right. Hmm. And what I'm doing with, with coincidences, a frontier, that's good. Uh, what hmm. I'm doing with coincidences is at the boundary. I've always worked at the boundary in psychiatry, chest pain and panic between cardiology and psychiatry. Uh, been doing it with integrating pharmacotherapy and psychotherapy because mm -hmm. mind and brain affect each other, I was trying to be able to say. Um, and I, I've done it with a psychotherapy training program, which Put, which ignored the schools of psychotherapy, like psychodynamic and cognitive uh -huh. therapy, and instead emphasized the basics of psychotherapy, uh, like what's the noun psychotherapy? What does it mean? And and I, I've gotten good responses, but they haven't made much impact, uh, mm. except for a little while, uh, and all mm. of those things and some other stuff. I've been at the boundary, and this is like or the frontier. This is another boundary of the boundary of the mind brain question. And I'm in this, as, as I write about it in Connecting with Coincidence and writing about it more, trying to figure out how the mind and brain interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And that that's, has flexibility. I am open to learning. I have been curious. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I haven't lost for some reason is curiosity. And one of the benefits of paying attention to coincidences, one of those mind exercises that I was mentioning, mm -hmm. is that it, it exercises curiosity. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Have you have you encountered a lot of flack from no. other academics? Nope. That's great. Hmm. Okay. That's great. Of course, you're you're hard you're a hard man to argue with, Bernie. <laughs> well, I, I'm people have beaten up on me with the <laughs> with the um. If you if you look at statisticians, right? Well, that's what you're talking about. Spiegelhalter. He's not a he's not a psychiatrist. He's a statistician. Okay. And and he thinks he told me in my interview with him on my connecting with coincidence show. He told me that uh, he thinks that uh, looking to, to under to uh, for explanations of coincidences is bad for your mental health. 
<laughs> really? Wow. God, I, I, I had the opposite. I, I read that article in the opposite way that uh, that's appeared incredible. in, I think, the Atlantic. Wow. No, that, that, I'm not. I'm talking about him on my radio show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's categorizing coincidences, and he says it's all probability, and forget about it. That's his. That's his thing. Wow. Okay. That's his thing. Oh. That's his thing. So, he's he's one of those. Well, he needs to be therapy by coincidence. That you uh, write about. Look what happened to Shermer. He, he yeah. had it. He didn't go for it. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's one funeral at a time as we loosen up people's <laughs> brains. Hmm. Wow. Okay, explain this GPS that you talk about. A human GPS. Yeah, human GPS and coincidence. Um, well, that brings us back to... Long time ago, back in the 1940s, <laughs> little little Bernie Bateman was walking down the street and came home to his mother and says, "Hey, Ma, where's Snapper?" Snapper was. I love the story. My, my dog, Snapper. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Snapper. Um, so she said, "I thought this was very clever. Not a lot of people don't get it." She said, "Oh, I don't know. Why don't you go to the police station?" <laughs> <laughs> If you if you want to put off the problem, my mother just did. Um, but I I was a very concrete boy and still am, and I got on my bike and I went to the police station, <laughs> rode on through the my elementary school, crossed the big road, and um, parked my bike down at the bottom of the stairs and climbed up the stairs and <laughs> and I walked in a big building, big door and then. It was open. I would, and it was a big man sitting behind a big desk. <laughs> and I said, uh, "Have you seen my dog?" <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> that really is funny. Now I haven't thought of that. <laughs> Probably made his day. <laughs> so, so, so he's very, very kindly. He said. Sorry, son, haven't seen your dog. So I started crying. And uh, tears filled my eyes as I walked down the stairs and got on my bike. And I just was dazed and went the wrong way home. And as I was riding down the big street instead of crossing it, who do I see in front of me but a dog walking like Snapper. I, I recognized uh -huh. that walk. And it was Snapper. And... Um, oh. And he uh, and he um, jumped up on my leg, and I almost thought he said, "Where have you been?" <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought he'd be happier to see me than that. <laughs> uh, but I was really happy to see him, and we just went home. And oh, my, my, I don't think my mother. I don't think she said anything. I I think it just added to her amazement about me. <laughs> Which had been growing anyway, so I think that's. Uh, I think there was another. My, the dog ran away, and he found the dog somehow. I don't know. I don't know what they did with it. I never asked, and now that I've been telling you, it would have been nice to ask her, but I just never did. I could have too. That's amazing. Another one of those Maybe regrets. That was her clue. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. clue she missed. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, that is a great story. God. How, how old were you? Eight or nine. Wow. wow. Cool. So you, you've been a weirdo Pisces all your life. <laughs> I've been a, such a messed up Pisces all my life. I mean, just <laughs> dripping all over the place with my mind. 
and <laughs> wanting to merge and then getting hurt by merging, <laughs> you know, feeling too much sometimes and causing bodily problems with it, you know. But also at the same time, reaching up into the cosmos and coming up right. with some interesting ideas. And you were li- and you were living in San Francisco during the hippie era as well, right? Part of that. Well, yes, sir, I was. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, no more. That during that time when I was like um, on Hate Street, I was a half time on Hate Street for a couple of years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I had more coincidences happening than any other part of my life uh-huh. ever before or since, and I remember the phrase. Uh, I had to tell myself not to get blown out by them. <laughs> blown no, out. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just saying blown out. I, I was just going to ask you, okay, do you think this human GPS is part of how precognition works? Oh, yeah. What do you mean yeah. by that? What do you mean by that? Well, in other words, you know, you you were able to, okay, you went to the, went to the cop station, police station, and then you just start wandering. You, you wander home, you go the wrong direction, and there's your dog. So it wouldn't there be like a precognitive element to that? I mean, how did... I mean, not consciously. No, no. No, no. No, I know. He thought the cops had the dog. No, he, <laughs> the cops said, no, we don't know where your dog is. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a sub... As Rob is saying, it's a subconscious precognition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, right. But that's not enough to know unless you also know subconsciously how to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's two things. That's a good point. It's, mm-hmm. it's two things, really. And I, I use my dog and my father. <laughs> it's really funny. It's <laughs> funny how... It, yeah, it's funny how this stuff works. I mean, my <laughs> the whole idea of human GPS, which is what I can do pretty well, I tested it out one time when I, I could do it kind of formally. Mm-hmm. This human GPS relies on simulpathy to know mm-hmm. the the feeling of the other one. Mm-hmm. And Snapper was lost, and he wasn't a happy camper. I think he kind of <laughs> knew that. And <laughs> and then to be able to locate him in space, right. And then be able to go to where he was in space. That's the GPS part of it. Mm-hmm. You're able to get there. And I, I was an eight or nine year old boy. Uh, my cognition was not particularly strong. Just the fun of, of asking the policeman, "Have you seen my dog?" I mean, how would he know? I mean, and I never, I never thought of that. Yeah. Hmm. My mother said, "Go to the police station," and I did. Yeah. And she, and she, what did she know that ha- allowed that to happen? Right. What, exactly. The, the, the human, yeah. the human GPS. <laughs> yeah. To get me off her back on this. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. why. But, but <laughs> she could have tried some other things, and I'm, I don't know. There's a lot of ways to think about it, but okay. this human GPS is a subconscious capacity, like precognition can be. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. your precognition is usually. I kind of know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and so, that's, that's conscious. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as we're talking about your dog, our dog wanders over <laughs> under the table, and, and he's been totally quiet. Yeah, and telling us that our hour is up, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's usually right here at, uh, as we do these shows, and then uh, he says, "Okay, this is about enough of this," and he comes over. So it's been. But great. oh, Bernie, you have to come back on when the second book is done. Uh, actually, before, I think John wants you to be the uh, 
psychiatrist for, for the mystical underground. <laughs> I, was, I was a psychiatrist for a, a jazz opera. So I'm uh, really? Yeah. He, this guy, a friend of mine, wanted me to hold space for him while the opera went on. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, John, you have more questions? I, know, I, I, think, I think I'm good. Okay. I, I, I've really enjoyed the conversation, though. It's been awesome. Yeah, I love it's, this conversation. It's been really good. Well, thank you. I very much enjoyed your questions and your comments. I enjoyed yeah. talking with you. Very much. Well, we had more questions, so you're going to have to come back on. <laughs> you had a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. we've got even more. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, thank you, Bernie. This was so much fun, and this is just great. Now I'm going to go home and go home to my in, are, inside my home. home. <laughs> no, inside my head and think about this uh, fevered. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's a good one, Trish. It is. Yeah, it is. It's it a is. really good one. Okay, thank oh, you thank very you much. so much, and hey, we'll Trish, uh, send Trish, you a you, link. If you write it up, um, please send it to me. The uh, fevered one. Yeah, the fevered one. Yeah, yeah, I've I've written it up, but I think now I'm going to rewrite it again from what you've said. Yeah, this was this was in the, uh, yeah, the blog, but never never yeah. using the kind of things he's yeah, talking right. about. Yeah, it's a good follow Yeah, it good is. Follow yeah. Yeah, I okay, see, I'll send I it to you. See what you. I want to see what Indiana Jones thinks of this artifact. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll try hard. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, okay. thank you again. Yeah. It, was, it was great. Bye Talk now. to you soon. Bye now. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Send us email, podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. So it was Rob's birthday yesterday, so everybody send him some birthday wishes. But he gave me a gift this week, an opportunity to join a Zoom group meditation with the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull hosted by Bill Homan. Bill started the session with a nod to Rob, referencing his book, Crystal Skull. Uh, Here's what I was using to prop it up. Anybody ever see one of these? All right, all right. <laughs> Very cool. Excellent choice. That was a start, wasn't it? That was that was a pretty neat story you have on that, how that worked. Bringing the couple skulls together. Mm-hmm.